Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to part four of our sermon series simply called The Ten Commandments. You know, I've noted and I agree with the author Ron Mel when he describes the Ten Commandments as being really a love letter from God the Father to his children. You know, these ten words, as they were referred to in Exodus chapter 20, um, are really all-encompassing. They're, they're touching virtually every part of our life. Of course, for some people, they look at the Old Testament, especially the Ten Commandments, and they just say, you know, they're so oppressive and they're, they're so demanding. And, they think, and they, they think that God is saying to them that if you do something wrong, I'll just squish you like a bug. But let's pull back. Let's go all the way back and, and ask the question, when you look at the uniqueness of the faith called Christianity, what's it all about? And there you find that it's always based in relationship. So when I take us back and I have us look at the Garden of Eden, there is Adam, there is Eve, and, and you find out that God definitely is an authority, that he's actually given a rule, a commandment, you know, don't eat from that tree. You know, if he's legalistic, if he's oppressive, he's demanding, he's only given one rule. That's not legalistic. But what is God doing on a regular basis with Adam and with Eve? Well, he's walking with them through the garden in the cool of the day. He's just spending time with them. He is building relationship. And that's what he wants with you, with me. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to this thing called faith, this thing called Christianity, that it's impossible to be addicted to, well, those items we use to build our faith. Have you ever heard anybody, you know, like when somebody's really addicted to, let's say, uh, a drug. Oh, I just have to have another one. I just need some more. But have you ever heard anybody say, I just can't help it. Pull that, take that Bible away from me. I can't stop reading it. It's too much for me. Or have you ever heard somebody just say, I can't stop praying. I'm looking, I'm looking. Is there just not one more prayer request? We don't speak those things. It sounds strange to us because we're not addicted. We're in relationship. You've heard people say, I just love being in the Word. I love being in His presence. It is so good when I pray. But it's out of relationship. You see, God understands something. He believes in your free will that He's given you. And He's not going to violate that authentic relationship He desires with you by causing you to be controlled by Him. And to have an addiction over you and to use that over you is to violate your free will. God won't do that. He loves you and relationship with you too much. You know, as a father, 
I know that I have to provide boundaries, cautions. Um, there has to be rules. And it's not that I would do that to hurt my children. It's actually to help my children. It's actually to protect them because they're not aware of all the hazards and the dangers that are there in life. It's my responsibility out of love and relationship that I do that. And that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. They're about being in relationship with God the Father as well as being in relationship with other people. So as we look at the fourth commandment, the one that talks about the Sabbath, may we really look at this from an understanding of our Heavenly Father who cares and wants to be in relationship with you. So let's look at it. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20, and we'll start from verse 8 to 11. This is the longest of reading of the commandments in all ten of them. And it says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, He rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So let's notice something. It begins with remember to observe the Sabbath day. Now the word remember really can be about a historical or a future event. Historical, in other words, don't you remember way back when, when this happened? Or meaning futuristic, meaning I'm warning you about the future. It will be easy for you to forget about this and that which is important. So I'm reminding you now in the future, do not forget. Remember. In this case, God is talking about something historical when He gives us this fourth commandment. Because it's in Exodus chapter 16 that we find out that God had already given them the Sabbath day. He had told them in, in Exodus 16 that they were on the sixth day to collect twice as much manna that they could eat, they could prepare two days' worth of meals, not just one. And that on the seventh day, God would not provide manna. See, God already instilled this commandment. It's that important. Now, maybe you're asking, hey, pastor, what is the Sabbath day anyways? Well, at first, the question, what is the Sabbath day, seems pretty direct and straightforward. You know, we just read it out of Exodus 20. Um, that on the Sabbath, meaning the seventh day of the week, on which the children of Israel were to rest, this was to be done in remembrance of God's great creation done in six days and how He rested and then were to rest. That's being under the old covenant. Sacrifices, by the way, during this time were made daily at the tabernacle and obviously the temple. The worship was continual. And, and there were special 
commands given to Israel regarding the sacred assembly that was always held on the Sabbath. The keeping of the Sabbath was the sign that the people of Israel were in covenant with God. The church today, well, we're under the new covenant, established by the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Traditionally, you know, we as Christians, we held our primary corporate worship services on Sunday and still do today. And that's the first day of the week versus the last day of the week. The reason it started wasn't because of a commandment in the New Testament. It was simply to celebrate the greatest event ever in the history of mankind. That Jesus rose on Easter Sunday. So we corporately gather to celebrate and to worship Jesus on Sunday. Well, let's look at Romans 14, 5 and 6. It says in verse 5, In the same way some think one day is more holy than another day. Don't we see that struggle even today? (laughs) While others think every day is alike, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. That's what Paul's telling us. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it, why? To honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord. Since they give thanks to God before eating, and those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2, 16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holidays or new moon celebration ceremonies or Sabbaths. Now, this gives some, the Christians some freedom to observe a special day, to observe every day, if you want, as a special day. See, God's desire is that we worship and serve Him continually, every day, not just on a on a Sunday or on a Saturday, which is really good news because if you're in law enforcement, if you're in the uh, medical profession or any form of essential type of work, you may have to work on the Sabbath day, which allows you the freedom to choose and pick another day of the week that you may honor God in the Sabbath. Now, you guys got to catch something here. This sermon is not going to be about you work too much, you're working, you're a workaholic, and it's you work weeks and weeks, and you know what? This is going to be trouble for you. I'm going to take us on a journey in a way and a place that most of us probably have never seen what God is trying to tell us in the fourth commandment and how it connects to the New Testament, how it connects to Christ. So, folks. Should you honor the Sabbath and not work and that you need to rest? Absolutely. I encourage that. I I promote that. I believe in that. But I want to bring our attention to how God is always revealing, always pointing us to Jesus. Even here in the Ten Commandments, we see Jesus in the Sabbath day rest. So how is Jesus our Sabbath day? rest 
Did you catch that? Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Well, the key to understanding that Jesus is our Sabbath rest is to first understand, to look at the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to rest. It means to stop. It means to cease from work. The origin of Sabbath goes all the way back to well, to creation. Remember Genesis chapter 2, 2? Right. It says, On the seventh day, God had finished work of creation, so he rested from all his work. We're to do the same. Now, this doesn't mean that God was tired and that he needed a nap. We know that God is omnipotent. That means he has all power. Guys, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't need rest. He doesn't need, uh, there's nothing that's going to drain his power ever. So what does it mean that God rested on the Sabbath day then, Pastor? It just means that God simply stopped what he was doing and he ceased from all his labors and he rested because it was finished. Did you hear that? It was finished. You ever heard those words before? <laughs> This is important in understanding the establishment of the Sabbath day and the role of Christ on our Sabbath rest. God used the example of Himself resting on the seventh day of His creation to establish the principle of the Sabbath day rest for His people. Again, I want to emphasize God used Himself as the example of the Shabbat. When God gave the Israelites the fourth commandment, He did so that He would tell them, remember, keep it holy. Wow. See, one day out of every seven, there was to be rest from their labors and, and give the same day of rest to their servants and to their animals. This was not, you know, this was not a, a physical rest always. It was also something that was going on in their soul that needed rest. This idea of, of, a, of, of a Sabbath was about a sensation, about a stopping, about a halting, about a ceasing from laboring. Whatever work they were engaged in was to stop for one full day and then they start up again the next. I'm reminded of a story of a wagon train of Christians who were traveling from St. Louis to Oregon. They observed the Sabbath day by stopping to rest and not travel. But as winter approached, some of the group, well, they all said, hey, we're not going to make any time before the first snowfall. I think we need to go ahead and travel all seven days of the week. Well, the, the conflict can, can continue to go till they finally said, okay, you guys who want to go seven days, you go as a group. We're going to honor the Sabbath and the rest on day seven. We're going to honor the, the, the fourth commandment. So they took off separate groups. You know which group got there first. The ones who took the Sabbath day and rested, as well as their animals. 
Because they got the rest, they were able to be more efficient, more productive, and got more done in six days than they could do in seven or in 14 or in 21. You see, folks, there's a reason we are to do the Sabbath. The Sabbath is designed not for for me for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is, is there to serve us. It blesses us when we honor the Lord in the Sabbath. Now, this might be new to you, but the various elements of the Sabbath, they truly symbolize the coming of the Messiah, who would provide a permanent rest for His people, for our soul, for our spirit. Once again, the example of resting from our labors comes into play here. Okay, So with establishing the Old Testament law, the Jews were constantly laboring to make themselves acceptable to God. This was not how it was in the garden when there was no sin yet before the fall, before the apple. They didn't labor like that. But their labors for the Jews included trying to obey a myriad of do's and don'ts and the laws for the temple and the laws of the civil law. There were 613 Mosaic Levitical laws they had to obey. And of course, nobody could follow them all. So God provided an array of sin offerings and sacrifices so so that people could, they could go to God and they could get temporary forgiveness or covering they get a temporary restoring in fellowship with god but it was never going to be enough so just as they began their physical labors after a one-day rest so too they would have to continue to offer their sacrifices again and again and again more work more work more work And there was no rest in their relationship with God. Let's go to Hebrews. Now, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is. We do think that it's possibly a female because there's no giving of a name. And and the ladies just were not allowed to write like the men. But anyways, let's go to chapter 10, verse 1. And here it says, The old system, meaning the old covenant, Under the law of Moses was only a shadow. Remember, a shadow is only a representation of that which is authentic. A dim preview of the good things yet to to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Folks, the old covenant just wasn't good enough. This tells us that the law can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year after year, it can never make it perfect between me and God or you and God or anybody in God. Let's go to verse 12, same chapter. But our high priest, that's Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins good for all time then he sat down in the place of honor sat down in the place of honor 
at God's right hand. Why? Because it was finished. Because all the work had been done. And He had provided all the rest that your soul and my soul would ever need. Just as Jesus rested after performing the ultimate sacrifice, He sat down. He rested next to the Father. He ceased from all the labor of atonement. The labor of atonement. Because there was nothing more to be done. Ever. It was finished. Because of what He did, we no longer have to labor to keep all of the 613 Levitical laws in order to be justified in the sight of God. Jesus was sent so that we might rest in God and what His death and His burial and His resurrection had provided for all mankind, specifically you. Now, another element of the Sabbath day rest which God instituted as a foreshadowing of our, our complete rest in Christ is that He blessed it. He sanctified it and made it holy. Well, here again we see the symbol of Christ. The Sabbath, it's consecrated, it's sanctified. Well, let's go and let's look at, at Jesus. Here again, He's a symbol of, of the Sabbath day rest. In verse 36, John chapter 10, Do you say of Him whom the Father, say of Him, Him meaning Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of the day, and He's saying, Do you say of Him, or meaning, do you say of me, Jesus, whom the Father sanctified? Same word that was used for sanctifying the Sabbath. And sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. Oh, he used to love to just kind of just get it going with these religious leaders. So let's notice that God sanctified Christ here. Just as he had sanctified the Sabbath day, meaning he had made it holy. Christ is, is now holy. He's made holy by God. And Jesus was sent into the world to be our sacrifice the lamb of god not a fleshly lamb the spiritual perfect lamb of god in him we find complete rest from all of our labors and all of our self-efforts to try to become in right standing and try to become holy before god and acceptable now we find rest second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We can now cease from all of our spiritual labors and rest in Jesus, not just one day a week, but literally forever. Here, Matthew 12, 8 says, For the Son of Man is... Now catch this. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, God incarnate, He decides the true meaning of the Sabbath because He created it. 
And He is our Sabbath rest. Let's remember that God used Himself in Genesis as an example for the Sabbath. And it is here where Jesus says that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, when the Pharisees would criticize Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath, Jesus reminded them that even they, as simple as they are, you know, they'd go get that donkey or mule or cow, and he, they would pull it out of the pit that they were in. And Jesus was saying even something more than that. He was saying, with all that struggle that you have, with that sickness, with that disease, with that illness, and there is no rest in your body, that I am your Sabbath, your Shabbat. I am your healer. Keep me holy. Call on me. I'm here for you, child of God. I'm your Sabbath rest. I bring wholeness. I bring healing to you. Because Jesus came to seek and to save His sheep who would hear His voice and enter into the Sabbath rest that He provided by paying for their sins. See, Jesus could be outside their understanding of the Sabbath because Jesus was the Sabbath. He told the Pharisees that people are more important than sheep. And the salvation that Jesus is providing was more important than understanding all of the rules. Because He came to bring peace. He came to bring hope. He came to bring healing. He came to bring rest that we cannot work enough. We cannot do enough to gain right standing with God. We can only get that rest, that peace, that solitude in Jesus. Mark 2, verse 27, Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. What do you think the needs of the people are, folks? Salvation. Redemption. I have sin. I'm Marvin Telemont, this is a sinner. But I'm saved by grace in Jesus Christ. My Sabbath. <laughs> Let's read it again. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Well, let's look at this one more time, but this time, if you're okay with this, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Then Jesus said to them, right? Jesus, not the Sabbath, Jesus was made, came to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the law. You see what he was trying to communicate? Jesus was restating the principle that the Sabbath rest was instituted to relieve man of his labors, both physically and spiritually. Just as Jesus came to relieve us of, a, of attempting to achieve salvation by our works. Why does it say in Ephesians 2.8 uh, that, that we are saved by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast? We're no longer get to rest just one day a week. But as believers, we have this hope that we will rest forever in glory with Him. Jesus is our rest from all of our labors. 
Jesus is the door to heaven where we will rest in Him forever and ever. Isn't that good news? Now, the chapter 4 of Hebrews, it really does, it's the definitive passage regarding Jesus as our Sabbath rest. The writer of the Hebrews exhorts his readers you know, to enter. Enter into the Sabbath rest provided by Christ. You know, after three chapters of telling the reader that Jesus is superior to the angels and that Jesus is the apostle and that Jesus is the high priest, he pleads with them to not harden their hearts against Jesus like generations before them, like their forefathers, because of their hard hearts and because of their unbelief. And God denied that generation access to the promised land. Here we are, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11, it says, So in my anger, this is the Lord speaking, I took an oath. He's referring to the Hebrew people, the, Moses and, and the people that he brought through the Red Sea. He says, they will never enter my place of rest, that old generation. You know, in the same way, you know, the writer of Hebrews is now trying to connect those stiff-necked, rebellious, unbelieving generation in the desert. Hey, that same Spirit's trying to attack you today. Don't you see this? Don't be rebellious. Don't be disobedient. Don't fight against God. So he says here in, in Hebrews 3, verse 15 and 16, As it is said today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled. Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? He's talking about the Hebrews who were slaves in Egypt. So may we see the connection the writer of Hebrews is making between the rebellious and the unbelieving Israelites and those now being told that Jesus is their Sabbath rest. He's their salvation. Look at Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. A lot of verse here. We're almost done. But I really want us to capture all that the author is trying to tell us here in chapter 4. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest, whose rest? Jesus' rest, still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, them being in the Hebrews. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest that Jesus offers, right? As he, meaning Jesus, has said, as, I, as God said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, his works were finished from the foundations of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. 
Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David, King David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, the one he brought them into the promised land, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Verse 9, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from the works God did for his, from His. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. There's no other Sabbath rest besides Jesus. He alone satisfies the requirements of the law, all of it. And He alone provides the sacrifice that atones for sin. My sin, your sin, everyone's sin. He is God's plan for us to cease from the labor of our own works. We dare not reject this one and only way of salvation. Jesus. Exodus 20 verse 8. Just the first part. Remember to observe the Sabbath day. I might even change it a little bit. Remember to observe Jesus by keeping Him holy. <laughs> you see, God used this fourth commandment in many ways to point to us to understand a few things. To understand that in the law, I'll never be satisfied. I'll never find enough. I'll always be restless. But in Jesus, there's rest. There's everything. There's salvation. Jesus is my Shabbat. But He's also my healer. He healed on the Sabbath. Now maybe you're here and you're watching this and you're saying, I need healing. Something's not right in my body. Something that is not right in my heart, in my mind. Something's not right. God, I need you to give me rest. I struggle with this. <laughs> He's your Shabbat. It's in Him that we find our rest so that we don't have to struggle and labor and toil. He brings rest. He brings healing. So Father God, I pray for your people. Lord, I pray for those who really need Jesus, their healer, their Shabbat, that you would give them rest from all of this toil and, and Lord, this constant struggle and restlessness in their hearts and in their minds. God, I pray healing on their bodies. I pray healing for those who are struggling with some kind of skin thing. God, I pray healing for somebody else because of their back. For somebody else, Lord, because of migraines. God, I pray healing because somebody's struggling in their feet. Lord, it, it causes them so much pain they can't walk. 
God, I pray that you would bring healing to your people. Somebody struggling with breathing. God, I pray healing in that, Lord, that in the respiratory. God, wherever we're struggling. And for those, Lord, who say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I, I've been like the Israelites who have struggled. And they were rebellious and they pushed away against, against God. It's time for me to come home. It's time for me to say, Jesus, be my salvation, be my rest, be my Sabbath. Folks, if that's you, would you just say this real simple prayer by giving your, well, your, your heart over to the Lord? Simply say, Jesus Christ, be the Lord of my life. Jesus, be the forgiver of my sins. Jesus, be my Sabbath, my Shabbat. Give me rest I'm a sinner. Will you save me? Will you write my name in the Lamb's book of life? Make me a Christian that I could find rest, body, soul, and spirit. And in Jesus' name, you are. Father, I pray blessing on all your people. Help us to not miss the beauty of the Word of God. How you were already foreshadowing Jesus in the Ten Commandments. So, Father, your will, your way, and bless your people in the name that is above all names, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.